Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikma. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys from beautiful Indianapolis, That's Indiana. That's right. It's good For to the 2023 it. Scouting Combine. Connor, my man, it's good to see you in person. It is. It's how many times a year? Somebody asked me this actually last night. They're like, how many times a year do you see Trevor? And like, they were like, how many shows do you do? I was like, three a week. They're like, how many times do you actually see Trevor? I was like... Well, if he comes to New York once a year, Maybe. which he did last summer, we got that three one. times. Senior Bowl, <laughs> Combine, and a trip that's just for leisure. So here we are, man. we got to take advantage of these. We definitely got to take advantage. And we will. We've got a couple of, of podcast episodes for you guys that we're doing in person. And we're going to give you our reactions from a lot of the different Combine storylines that we have throughout the week. Obviously, right now, it's the beginning of the week. So it's a lot of podium stuff. It's quotes. We're asking general managers and head coaches questions. We actually had defensive line and linebackers today. So we'll give you guys some little nuggets on, uh, on what they said at the podium as well but this is a fun time of year man like this is is where we really get a lot of answers and whether it's measurable answers whether it's the drills whether it's asking people things at the podium it's just it's just fun to be here and and to get a lot of these answers from different prospects you have everybody in this melting pot situation boots on the ground all the same you're around the prospects you're around the gms you hear from sometimes first-time coaches yep um and it's I mean, you can get in and ask real football questions to these prospects yep. that you genuinely might want an answer on at a tape study. And right. that, that can vary. Sometimes the scrums could be what seems to be over 50 people. And yeah. then, you know, yeah. a fun moment for me today, I walk up to Dorian Williams, unfortunately by himself, and go, hey, I could ask five questions right. in a row to one right. of my favorite cover linebackers in the class. So it's a unique event that you just never know which way it's going to go. Yep. No, it's it, it, it's uh, there's there's just a lot of different things that can happen in combine week. I, I say this unfortunately. We've got to start with the biggest story that we have so far on the at the beginning. There's no other way. Week. You have to. Yeah, Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter was worn out for his arrest for his participation in something that happened back in January after they won their second national championship. And um, I, we'll we'll get the we'll get the official tweet up if you're watching this on YouTube and you can read all of it. But I'll read the beginning part of it. Um, As a result of the ongoing investigation into the January 15th, 2023 fatal car crash that occurred in the 900 block of Barnett Scholes Road in the Athens Clark County Police Department. They have secured a arrest warrant for Jalen Carter, 21 years old, for reckless driving and racing. The incident that they are referencing um, is a single car crash that killed a University of Georgia football staffer as well as a uh, teammate of Jalen Carter, Devon Willick, um, Devin Willick, I believe. And, and, and it's just unbelievably tragic situation and it was classified as a single car crash and um, we didn't really know any other details outside of that. It was an ongoing investigation, but just about 30 minutes before Jalen Carter was going to take to the podium, this news breaks. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution broke the news that there was the warrant out for his arrest. And, you know, since then, Jalen Carter has released his own statement. Uh, Jalen Carter I believe, no longer in Indianapolis. Yeah, he He's headed back to Georgia, obviously, because of the warrant for his arrest. And he said, this morning, I received a telephone call from the Athens, Georgia Police Department informed me that two misdemeanor warrants had been issued against me for reckless driving and racing. Numerous media reports have also circulated this morning containing inaccurate information concerning the tragic events of January 15, 2023. It is my intention to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the 
complete and accurate truth is presented, there is no question in my mind that when all of the facts are known that that I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoings. Connor, obviously there is a legal process that's going to happen here, but this is the player who many had as the number one overall yeah. pick uh, in this draft as of right now with the Bears sitting at number one overall, the number one player in this class. And just your thoughts is kind of, it has kind of come down today, this news that was shocking to everybody. A lot to unpack, right? And the reason I say that is obviously reflects back on a tragedy. That's an awful situation first yeah. and foremost. And then you get to the second part of it, what a whirlwind it was here on the ground in Indy. I mean, Jalen Carter, the night before he was supposed to speak on the podium to all the media, was meeting with multiple teams, doing interviews. Teams are trying to get to know him and go through that process. And then 30 minutes before he's set to speak on the podium, and even before this was out, he was expected to have the biggest scrum. I would say him, Will Anderson, totally. Tyree Wilson, yeah. that would be the biggest scrum of the day. You have this drop. And then you could assume he's not coming out for it because it's a serious situation that mm -hmm. is going to play out, a legal process that's going to play out. And you talk about the whirlwind on the draft because this is a draft podcast and we have to go there at some point despite there being a lot of layers to this. Right. You have draft odds for first defensive player being taken. Jalen Carter's in the minus territory, saying he's a far away favorite. He was right. at minus 105. Right. Then Will Anderson was a plus 130, and then Tyree Wilson, the long shot at plus 500 or plus 600. Trevor, when that news comes out, this board gets dropped. They take it off the board. Oh, I That's see. How, I, didn't, I didn't even look. But that is I figured, how yeah. volatile of a situation this is and how many variables there are at play where we don't know if this is going to push Jalen Carter out of being the first non-quarterback taken. We don't know if this is going to push Jalen Carter out of the top 10, top 15. We don't know yeah. right now. What yeah. we do know is there have been plenty of rumors and reports going around, concerns about his character. Right. Um, that, you know, not from our show, but that were responded to a certain way. And yeah. Something like this comes out, and it starts to become a serious issue. It's, it's far from a lock. Jalen Carter is a top three pick anymore. Yeah. And look, when... There's, like Connor said, there's so much that is going to play out from this. There's so much of, of figuring out of exactly what happened and, and, and the truth in the matter of all of this. So I don't think either of us are going to sit here and, and make statements like saying that we know exactly what's going to happen <laughs> no. or even no what happened does. in this situation. But there's no doubt about it that it's going to affect the NFL draft in some way, shape, or form. And so that is kind of what we're talking about here on this show. And I agree with you. You know, I was, I was chatting with somebody earlier today that uh, kind of likened the situation to not obviously the events of how they happened, but like when the news broke with Laramie Tunsil, when he had the video of the gas mask that came out on draft night. Now this is different because we're a couple months away from the draft, and yep. so time is going to play differently here. But it is that similar feeling of unknown, like yeah. what's going to happen now? And Laramie Tunsil was a guy who was going to get picked top three in that draft and ended up sliding outside of the top ten. And um, who knows what's going to happen with Jalen Carter? We'll, you know, there are details that are out there, and obviously we'll we'll kind of talk about those when they get more solidified and when we know a lot more in this process and kind of when it gets figured out. And I think as much as time is on the NFL side here and Jalen's here, that this could play out and can work to his advantage where say things are cleared or whatever it may be and he ends up ultimately being an early pick like we all thought there are now publicly lingering questions around his maturity and figuring it out and being reliable and when you use a top five pick on a player that's a question that you don't want to have in your back pocket you don't want to go am i going to get the most of this guy not in the building but also 
out of the building. And, yeah. and it's a real thing here. There's yeah. no way around it. And I'll tell you right now, that's not a thing with Will Anderson. It's not a thing with Tyree Wilson. I haven't heard it be a thing with any of the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So as talented as Jalen Carter is, and I think he's the most talented player in this draft, yeah. this is a significant situation for his draft. Well, and it definitely matters. You know, this is something that, that NFL teams definitely have to get to the bottom of too, yeah. too because not only is it a tragic and serious situation, but also, and this is kind of a, a transition into what we saw yesterday and today with the head coaches and the general managers, you ask them, hey, what are you here for? What are you trying to figure out at the combine? Every single one of them, the answer is exactly the same, but just maybe in different words. We're trying to figure out who these players are. Exactly. People. We are trying to figure, and you know, they, they, they liken the combine exercises like speed dating. You know, that's what they say. We only get 20 minutes from these guys. So you don't learn everything there is to know in 20 minutes from a player. But um, that that is what they are here to do. And there's there's no doubt about it that this is just a wrench that is not only thrown into the scouting report of Jalen Carter, but also in the entire story of what will be the 2023 NFL draft because he was a player that was going to get picked so highly. Yeah, it's a crazy situation. It's a huge domino that's now fallen. Yeah. And I think, you know, to kind of put a bow on it, I also think of the teams that maybe – weren't doing their homework on Jalen Carter to the degree of whether it be a Chicago or Arizona or Seattle or Detroit, I think now everybody safely will be. And I'm not saying teams don't do the homework, but there's a different degree when you think a guy has a 90 to 95% chance of being on the board when you pick versus a 10 to 15%. I mean, hell, if you're a team in the 20s right now, are you sitting there going, well, we didn't foresee this coming. Right. And now we need to be ready to roll as well. So yeah. it's just a ton of variables at play here in a super unpredictable situation. No doubt about it. And we'll move on. But it just I, I hope that no matter what happens in this situation, judgment is reserved until the truth really comes out. Of course. I hope that this situation is handled with the severity that um, – that it requires two people passed away in this incident yeah and this is this i mean like that is that is the thing that weighs heavy on this story is is not as not only are the details of maybe okay shouldn't have been doing this shouldn't have been doing this two people lost their life and that's what makes this so serious it's not just about a draft prospect and and then things about a scouting report like it was an incident in which two people passed away that is unbelievably tragic and i just hope that everybody out there you know whether they're approaching it initially from a jalen carter angle or nfl draft angle ultimately just remembers that in this situation that it deserves to be handled um in a, in a the correct timely manner but in a, in a manner that is also serious to what happened here without a doubt reckless driving is somehow still um an under the radar massive problem in this country massive massive problem a it's a killer it's an absolute killer literally and that is something that should be magnified in this unfortunate story don't drink and drive please people out there there are way too many there are way too many resources out there there are too many friends who and take the drinking out of it don't i mean don't drive 90 miles an hour uh, that's and and, and, and you're right you're right you're right be responsible when you get behind the wheel no it's uh, you're right you're right though be responsible when you get behind the wheel Lives are at stake. Make good decisions. All right, let's talk about, as tough as it is to kind of transition from yeah. that, let's talk about some of the head coaches and, and and general managers. I've got a couple of nuggets. I'll start with one that I shared on the YouTube short. Everybody, we get we you were, missed it. We were, this we're, is your cue. We're, dabble, we're yeah. dabbling into that a little bit with the YouTube shorts, and I shared this yesterday on the YouTube channel, but a little nugget that I got yesterday, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Terry Fontenot is the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. He got up to the podium and – we don't normally learn a ton. These GMs are pretty good at this, right? They don't yeah. want to give away too much. They want to. They want to have the obligation of okay. I spoke at the podium, yep. but I don't want to give people too much. And what I'm thinking about. Somebody asked him about nickel corner. 
and he really lit up when he was talking about slot corner. He's like, it is a starting position in today's league. Good take. You are in nickel 70% of the time. You yeah. know, it, it is a, he, he called it a starter, and he called it a critical position to his defense, one that they don't necessarily have right now. He also noted that being the Atlanta Falcons in the great state of Georgia, they put a little Georgia peach icon this, this next is a funny to one. a player that is from the state of Georgia. Not just played football in college at the University of Georgia. Anyone who's from Georgia, they put a little peach next to their name because they know that Georgia football is a pretty good pipeline. And so if you take those two hands and you put them together, there's a damn good slot cornerback in this draft who happens to be from the state of Georgia, and his name is Brian Branch. Not saying that he's going to go number eight overall, but like I said in the YouTube short, I think it's on the table, folks. I really, really do. Terry Fontenot has made it, made it a point to emphasize we are drafting the right football players for the Atlanta Falcons. That's how he's trying to build a team. Connor, what do you think about that? Well, listen, Brian Branch is one of the higher floor players in this draft. The Falcons absolutely are a team that needs to continue that hit rate, right? They need to hit on players. Yes. They need to know what they're getting. They need to fill out a roster that needs plenty of help. Um, he is the best tackler in the draft, I think. I think that's an area of improvement for that defense as well. And I think it's a really good point when you look at what Fontenot was saying that this is someone who can be a big-time nickel player for us, can probably be a safety for us, can play in the box, can survive and not survive in the box, thrive in the box. Yep. And I like that little peek behind the curtain of, hey, you know what? You like what you like in this world. And Bondo clearly likes players yes. from Georgia. Yes. And there's a lot of damn good players coming out of Georgia. I, mean, I, I joked around after I heard this from you. I was like, how did he end up at Alabama? I mean, right. you see that? Imagine Brian Branch on that Georgia defense. But no, it makes. Come on, they already had enough. I'll say this for Atlanta. As if, as if, as if Alabama doesn't. I'm sorry. Now I just realized that like, yes. Alabama doesn't have enough good players. Yeah, that too. I've heard this with Atlanta to piggyback off this, and this mm. is going back for about two months now. As much as a lot of the mock drafts are looking at pass rusher for them, justifiably so, Yeah, they've been doing an overwhelming amount of work on DBs, and that includes the corners. Because when you look at the work where they pick, you think uh, Gonzalez, yep. you think Porter, you think Witherspoon. Yep. But you forget that Branch, who is a safety, is a nickel. And that is, if you have a bad nickel in this league, you're, you're pretty much dead in the water. You're getting yeah. hosed you're dead in week the water in and week out. Right away. Yeah. So if one of the best players in this draft is a nickel and you have a need there, how do you not consider that with the top 10 picks? So Atlanta, as much as a lot of the mocks are on edge, uh, I have heard once again they've been doing a ton of work on DB. So what, what you are tracking entirely checks out and makes so much sense. I believe Will Anderson also from the state of Georgia, but yeah, don't rock solid football. I think they're going to get Will Anderson. If he makes it to eight, I think that they're going to check both of those boxes of needing a pass rusher yeah. and a Georgia player. So uh, if, if he ends up getting there, but don't think that Will Anderson's going to end up getting there. What about you? What's something that stood out from you from any like head coach, GM, anything like that? Man, there was a lot of, it's interesting to hear guys that are here, you know, necessarily in this role for the first time, mm -hmm. um, first time head coaches and interesting guys that just don't do a lot of media. Like you think of Fontenot, how often do we get to hear from Fontenot in that capacity? Three times a year. Yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting peek behind the curtain. You see, I, I mean, hearing from Frank Reich today, 
was really, really interesting because this is a dude that's had success in the NFL. Yep. That's going to a division that I think is ripe for the taking for him when you look at the staff. That, sorry, Trevor. Sorry. I, it's not a lock. Whoa. Yeah. This is Kyle let's Trask settle. slander. Let, let's settle and I'm down. not going to stand for it here. What I'm tying I'm going to sit for it. Go ahead. What I'm tying together as a whole is, and you can't avoid this story here, is Derek Carr is a big story here at the Combine. Mm-hmm. And, and that trickles into the three teams he's met with. Uh, some of them multiple times now. When you look at that division, uh, you think of the Saints, who he's met with multiple times. Yep. Now he's met with the Panthers. Yep. Uh, he's obviously met with the Jets, both in Florham Park. And Joe Douglas is here. Robert Sala is not, but has met with the Jets. I think Woody Johnson has been here with them as well. So hearing from Reich was interesting because as much as he was asked about Carr and he had nice things to say about Carr, he pivoted right away, it felt like, to, hey, there's quarterbacks in this draft. And I'm yeah. fascinated what Carolina's thinking. That's why I bring up when you hear from Reich, um, you obviously have Fitterer there as well. What is Carolina thinking? How does that shape the top ten of this draft, right? And Derek Carr's a big domino to fall. Right. If he goes to the Saints, you look at it and go, eh, okay. If he goes to the Jets, once again, you kind of look at it and go, eh, okay. Because those teams aren't shaking up the top ten of the draft. Right. But if he goes to Carolina, or let's say for this case, he doesn't, mm-hmm. Carolina has to be all in on this quarterback class. And For sure. Trevor, how do they sit there, back there, and just watch? You have the Colts. You have the Texans. You have yep. these teams that are quarterback hungry. I think they've they've really knocked it out of the park with step one. Build a staff, a staff that All-star you have confidence staff. in. Yeah. I've always said they have this ascending offensive line. I think it might be time for Carolina, assuming they pass on Carr, which is no given. Maybe that ends up being the choice, to go all in and maybe move up and, and kind of stake their claim in this draft and go get their guy. And whether that's Bryce, whether that's CJ, I think either would flourish under Reich in that offense. No, I agree. And and Carolina is in a position where they could potentially go all in for a quarterback in this class. And and Mike Kay, good friend of the program, uh, he actually asked Scott Fitter at his podium, he was like, hey, you know, you get this staff with a lot of quarterback expertise. You got Frank Reich, they hired Josh McCown yeah. as their quarterback coach. And he asked Scott Fitter does that give you more confidence to go get a young guy knowing that you have great tutors question. is the, the word that he used on the coaching staff already. Guys who know how to truly groom quarterbacks. And Scott Fitterer said, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, that is a factor. Not to say they're for sure going to do that with a quarterback, but to your point, that goes into it. And that's something that Frank Bragg talked about as well. I will also say... You like picking up little, I, I like picking up little nuggets, yeah. as, as you can tell from these podiums, as everybody loves to do. Scott Fitterer said that this offseason, David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, came to him and was like, I want to go all in. Go get me the best. And they have so far put together the best coaching staff. I've got to think that motto continues at quarterback. I cannot imagine they are going to sit back because – if they don't think that Derek Carr is the guy that can go and eventually like win them a Super Bowl, I think they're going to get incredibly aggressive. And I like that to thought move process. Move up in this draft. I do not. No matter what, if they need a quarterback, I don't think they're sitting at nine, man. No, I no, don't. no. There's I do no not way think they're going to sit at nine. And think about what's in front of this. Somehow turned into the NFC South show, which is really funny to me today. But when you look at our Falcons talk, you right? Oh yeah, I guess I guess you're right. We'll, but, bounce, we'll bounce around but a little the, bit. It's because it matters. They're yeah. both in the top ten. Yeah. This matters a real lot and. Uh, that just stuck out to me so much because if you look at Carr, everybody goes, okay, well, Carolina can win the division with Carr. But if you're trying to win a Super Bowl and you have this patience because you have a new staff, a staff that you think is going to be there for a while, and you have a pretty young team, especially you have some really young playmakers on the defensive side of the ball that can help out and carry their share. Yep. I, I'm. That's what I came away from listening to both Reich 
and Fitterer is that if Carolina doesn't get Carr, they're going to shake up the draft. I really believe that. And, and why not? Why not? We talk so much about maybe a Houston swap or a Colts swap, and it also depends how willing, how far Chicago is willing to go back. Yep. But I just – you bring up a great – bring up Tepper's very important. This is a man that we've joked around in the pod. But he's hands on. He's he, hands on. He's like bought a mansion to bulldoze it. This is the kind of man we are talking about. <laughs> like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please Google this story. So, because <laughs> it is way too long. I'm pretty sure he bought someone's house that he didn't like. Something along those lines. Something along. It's a weird story. Did he, like, buy the neighbor's house? Is that the story? Like, he buys a house, and then he's like, ah, I don't like that house next to me. I'm actually going to buy that and just bulldoze it. I forget. It. it was pretty out there. But the point is, the man has a lot of money, and he's very decisive. He's a lot of power, too. A lot of power. You know? And I think he's tired of losing. Yes. Yeah, that is the vibe that so I get. No half Carolina measures for well. Carolina. That's right. how I look at it. And that impacts the rest of the draft. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Um, moving on to players. Is there a player, specifically this morning, that we saw um, at the podium that either gave a great, great quote or maybe some news on some players? We're going to do a mock draft um, for Monday's episode of the show. And so a lot of our thoughts and what we are yeah. hearing and learning are going to come to that mock draft head next week. But just before we get there, any thoughts on some players that you saw today? Sure. I mean, you and I were together for Felix, Sanadike, Uzama. Awesome. It, very awesome. It's, it's interesting when you talk to pass rushers. And some guys, and there's no problem with this, are just all brawn and strength, mm-hmm. and I'm going to outmuscle you. And some guys are so well thought out that it's, it's wildly impressive. And he fell into that bucket for me. You and I were standing next to each other and we're like, this is someone that just has a plan yes. for every series of the game. Yes. It talked about how he likes to open up with power, likes to use the long arm, and really does that to test out tackles. And he said that he's, I watch him on film and see what they're weak to, then I go in with power, and then if I have to, I see what I'm going to counter with. And yep. That was, And he gave a shout-out to Anton Harrison. That was really cool. So uh, the pass rusher. The pod knows. The, the pod knows. Listeners of the pod know. And so does Felix, apparently. Yeah, he does. He, he, he said that out. was the guy. Yep. Uh, and in the same mold, I thought B.J. Ojolari was a very similar interview in a sense of knowing what you are. And Ojolari talked a lot about his brother Aziz, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And he was saying how he has power. He's like, I- I'm more speed. He's like, I win with speed. I win with swipes. I understand how to win the edge. Um, just a, a very prideful guy. He was joking around how artistic and creative his family is. He's mm-hmm. like, and me and Aziz didn't get any of that. We're the athletes. Like he was a very, <laughs> he was a very funny guy. Passing's in art. Yeah, I know. Somebody I should have chimed in. I should have chimed in. Yeah. It was a pretty busy, busy scrum. Uh, this is a dude that wore 18 for LSU. That really means something. Yep. He, the confidence that he had, the wit that he had, the brain power that he had. I walked away. All the pass rushers we talked to today, uh, Anadike Uzama and Ojolari are written as day two guys they mm-hmm. get no first round love mm-hmm. and i said those two are going to figure out in the nfl yeah in a pretty prime role yeah i just want everybody out there to know that i was walking around to the different podiums <laughs> this is good and when ojalari when i heard ojalari's he voice me. and i saw ojalari's voice i was like bet you connor's over there sure enough <laughs> right there no he's just standing yeah there, i big smile on his face for the whole thing listening to ojalari, yeah. but i should have put breakfast on my lap and just right. like, i'll be here for a while <laughs> Yeah, but we already knew that. Obviously, you guys watched the Edge Rush episode. You knew that Connor yeah. was a big fan of him. Yeah. He's a top reason. twenty player for me. I, I like BJ yeah. Ojolari a lot, and he is. Uh, shoot, I feel like I've, I've said this to some people in Indianapolis when I've done radio hits. It's like even I feel like he's one of the most underrated players in this class. I don't get it. It feels like he's just going under the radar as a guy who uh, just didn't make the headlines for whatever reason. People aren't talking yeah. about. Yeah, he's one of the better pass rushers in this class. I want to go back to Felix Anadiki Uzama and just piggyback off of what you were talking about the you know 
we always talk about having a pass rush plan and you know I got this question from somebody as well pass rush moves and they're like how often is it that a player pass rusher specifically has multiple moves going from college to the NFL how often is that or are a lot of college guys just one trick ponies and I was like no we're, we're in the age where a lot of these guys do have multiple moves that they go to they've yeah. got multiple moves in the toolbox but it's knowing when and more importantly why yeah. to use them that matters most and that is the thing that stood out to me with Anudike Uzama is that he understood not just the moves but the when and the why he had the why and yeah. that that is really important and this is a player that I'm glad you mentioned it these are top 50 guys but nobody ever really talks about in the back end of the first round I genuinely think these could easily be back end of the first round prospects in this class maybe deserve to be might not when it's all said and done, but these are going to be two good ones. I really do think that. I'm with you all the way. You just listen to them talk, and you go, okay, that's why they were dudes at their program. Uh, they just understand how to rush the passer. We talk so much about toolsy guys, and this class is littered with them at the top. I mean, mm -hmm. we heard from Lucas Van Ness today, who was very upset that the Rangers got Patrick Kane. I was sitting there. What is Van Ness is a huge Blackhawks fan, and oh. his upbringing was in hockey. He was a hockey player. I didn't know that. Yes. Nice. Yes. So Pete Carroll's going to love him because going back to head coaches and GMs at the podium, Pete Carroll raved about multi-sport athletes. So all I'm saying is Seahawks need a pass rusher. He loves multi-sport athletes. Might be a little bit higher on the Seahawks board knowing that he played hockey. All these years doing the draft, you hear about, and we'll get to wrestling in a second, basketball, track and field. Yeah. yeah. This was the first player I can remember, and sorry if I've missed one, that said that credited all of his football skills to playing hockey. I've never heard that. Love it. And it was Love it. Yeah. He was actually on a team that during the pandemic um, year made it to the state final four and that final four was canceled because of the pandemic. So this wasn't like this dude just like skate around his pie. I'd be living. Yeah, yeah. He's a smiley guy, but living. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't too happy about it at the time. So, I feel like I just was my destiny was robbed. Yeah. That's but brutal. to be fair, it's brutal. he's an underclassman at the Combine, projected to go in the top 20. So when people say that he puts offensive linemen on skates, he probably more is you know. just like literally hyped up. I've done this. Hyped up, yes. If he has a video dropping home. the gloves online, <laughs> I need to find it immediately. And if I will any, bump him up. If anybody can find a Lucas yeah. Van Ness fighting video that. in hockey. The questions you think of when the podiums are over. We'll get with his agent. We'll see if we can get with his agent. Yeah. See if we hey, get some hockey has players. he dropped the gloves? Yeah. <laughs> and will he drop I the bet gloves? He, I bet he has. Will he knock out the stock exchange spot? <laughs> <laughs> Winner gets to be third co-host. So, I mean, we go back to the tools, you guys, right? You have him, Miles Murphy, mm -hmm. even Tyree. But then you look at the day two guys that don't have those tools, whether they're lighter, different builds, um, and they just, they're just they just so technically sound and smart. Yeah. And that's what I walked away yeah. from. And back to the multi-sport thing, this is a good transition. Ivan Pace, our boy of yeah. the show, yeah. he uh, said he wrestled for 13 years. And wow. he basically credited that to everything he does in football. And, you look, and it was really interesting hearing from him because everybody was kind of, they know he can rush. Somebody was like, well, like, what can you do to improve your run defense? And he was like, well, I think I showed that at the Senior Bowl. He was the only flaw in my game is that I'm short. And I was like, this is short, King. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. I'm a perfect football yeah. player, but I'm 5'11". Can't, can't host the pod, but can rush no, the passer. No, can't. But can rush the passer. But can rush the passer and apparently wrestle. So don't tell me can't host the pod. Wrestling is... So P, when, I, when, when I was at Pete Carroll's podium and he was talking about multi-sport athletes, he lit up and he talked about... That is the first question that Pete Carroll asks 
prospects or asks his scouts about prospects, did they play sports growing up? Were they a multi-sport athlete? Because he values being a natural athlete so much. For me personally, the first question that I would ask when I'm building a scouting report and I had you know unlimited information about guys' backgrounds, I'd figure out if they wrestle. Wrestling translates to yes. to the NFL level just so incredibly well, especially in the trenches. If you play any sort of trench role, if you wrestled, you have that natural core strength to you. Morrison Linderbaum. Oh my goodness. There are so many great offensive linemen who have the core strength to move people and turn the obliques, the core strength everywhere. It's just, man, the balance from some of these bigger, higher weight guys that are natural because they they wrestled. And wrestling is just such a paramount background. So anybody out there, if you guys are, you know, scouts, you do your own scouting, whatever. If you learn that a guy has a wrestling background, truly note that. I'm not kidding. I think that it goes a long way, especially when you're deciding between, oh, look, okay, this prospect or this prospect, uh, this guy had a wrestling background. Often that's something that I feel like is a little X factor that uh, puts a guy over absolutely sean mcdermott who i think never lost a match throughout high school sean mcdermott was like an iconic high wow. school wrestler wow yeah he, I, he probably I didn't know this yeah he doesn't like the attention of it but once in a while it'll never be lost a up. match i'm pretty sure i right, know i gotta look this up a lights out yeah check it out um he has the scouting department put like a star or whatever mark that down when a guy is a wrestler and he's a fighter you know like so something that i love about about wrestling is anybody who's ever watched a wrestling match before think of the uncomfortable positions and awkward positions oh. you are your body is in and you have to remain completely calm and you have to somehow get out of that counter with, with all sorts of different muscles and and just different ways to figure out leverage and all that and it's just it's not just even the core strength it's all of that that goes into trench play that i absolutely love it's huge it's really huge and it's um not interesting seeing it make its way into scouting because it's been here, but it's at, become much more amplified. I think when you look at it, finding this guy, I'm really excited for you to go through this. I'm, I'm looking this up. I don't know his record, but I, I've I've seen and heard some wild. I'm just googling of his the, wrestling the, ability. the phrase Sean McDermott never lost. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, gonna get, so we're going to get some Bills articles on that one. But, okay, here we go. Here we go. McDermott could have had a wrestling career himself after transferring from North Penn to to LaSalle High. He never lost another match and won two straight national prep championships. Yeah, it's real. Before deciding to walk onto the football team at, at William and Mary in 1993. Insanity. Wow. wow. That's that is my coach right there. Yes. That's my kind of guy. Like when everybody does the the coach like battles or whatever. Yeah. Like he's no, he's number one. It's They're, him and Vrabel. It's him and Vrabel. And yeah. Vrabel's just like grizzly bear right. six pack and yeah. cigarettes strength. Vrabel's just like so like khaki pants, rips the shirt off, yep. full chest hair, you know, yeah. growling like a bear. And yes. then there's Sean McDermott, who's like, you know, Te- putting the mouthpiece in and like the ear guards or whatever. He's rolling around on the mat. Yeah. And you're in like, what, a guillotine? You're in the sharpshooter. You're in the walls of Jericho. You're in the walls of Jericho. You're tapping out. The special guest referee is, is Howie Roseman. You don't know what's going on. Like, we're just going to give you sweet chin music, yeah. you know, like, like every good heel match There is. is a wrestling plot with NFL GMs and head coaches that is just waiting to sell millions and mil- billions of dollars. So, like, two smaller guys that I also wanted to touch on, Kalijah Kansi and Nolan Smith. So I wanted to touch on Kalijah Kansi because I asked him specifically at his podium, what weight did you play at? And he said... Did you get a look? Or was... Like was he like oh this guy? No, he's confident. Okay, about good. It. No, I like he, that. I he like was that. confident about it. He was confident. He's like, I played at two seventy five, an honest man. And he looked at me and he's like, right now I'm two eighty. And he's like, 
and I'm looking good. And he he looked at me like confidently. He's like, I'm 280, and I'm looking good. That's and awesome. And I'm like, all right, that's. And see, this is what you need, right? Because I'm gonna go back to a, to a, to an old Pittsburgh player, not Aaron Donald, Jalen Twyman, who we talked about not too yes, long ago when he right. came out from the draft. And yeah. Jalen Twyman was kind of along the same lines. And a lot of people look at Kalijah Kansi and they go, "There's no way he's Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald's a one-on-one." Yeah, we'll just so never get instead, it again. You've got to compare him to his teammate Jalen Twyman, and Twyman, I think where he got in trouble is he tried to flex, fluctuate weight too much. I think Twyman played at like 280, 285-ish. You know, after the combine, he gained a lot of weight in training. He almost got up to 300, but he, right. looked, he looked like he was just too big. And then when he got into the NFL, he could not move and he could not be effective in the way that his athleticism and his skill set wanted him to be at that weight. So then he tried to drop weight, but he wasn't the same kind of a player. If Kalijah Kansi's going to make it, he's got to just be confident in who he yeah. is you are a smaller defensive tackle and you you win with speed you win with leverage that's how you're going to do it and and honestly from the way that he answered that question and from the way that he was up there at the podium i got that vibe that he's going to be like yeah i'm, I'm going to gain a little bit of weight in the nfl but i'm not trying to inflate myself up to 305 yeah. just because i'm going to be me and i think that that's huge it is huge don't become something you're not right that takes away good what life got you too. here good life like, lesson yeah like why would what we love about Kalijah Kansi is his quicks off the snap, his ability to get skinny through gaps. Mm -hmm. He's an interior rushing nightmare. Mm -hmm. He's too quick for interior offensive linemen. He has enough strength when they even kicked him all the way off on the end yep. uh, to play against tackles and make splash plays against the run. So I like that attitude a lot. And then you brought up Nolan Smith. Who, yeah. Uh, probably one of the more, I don't know if emotional pressers. Passionate. Is passionate. That's, That's it. Yeah. Passionate. This dude... He's obsessed with football. He's yes. obsessed with team yes. culture. He's obsessed with loyalty. Mm -hmm. He kind of, without, you know, crushing guys for transfers, made it very clear, like, you finish what you start in life. And somebody kind of, not checked him, but was like, well, what about your teammate, who happened to be one of his roommates, uh, that just transferred this year? And he's like, well, he graduated from Georgia and is doing his fifth year somewhere else. So he finished what he started. Like, very well thought out guy. Mm -hmm. um, you, you hear so much chatter with Nolan Smith. Like, he was the dude at Georgia. They have all the star talent. They have Trayvon Walker, you know, Carter. They, the millions of guys that are somewhere in the NFL already. But everybody always talked about Nolan Smith. He's yep. the guy that got everybody lined up. He's yep. the guy that's loud. He's the guy that people follow. You stand in front of him for 10 minutes and you're like, he'll do it anywhere. He'll do it in the NFL. He just has to stay healthy. He's had some bad luck. He has the pec injury. Uh, he's ready to test, which is really big. He's yeah. obviously not going to bench, but yeah. he's going to do a lot of these. He's doing, what drill did you have him for? 40? Didn't you have him for the 40? I believe I did. You picked him for one of the and drills that he is participating in. I have him for the 40. Okay. Did yep. you pick new players yet? I will do that this evening. By the Tre way. By the way, Trevor's being a good sport and letting me swap my 85 guys that decided to come here and not Because do we dropped the episode, and then literally the next morning, Four so many people yeah. tweeted at us because a lot of Connor selections are not going to be participating. So I, I, I want, in the spirit of what the – the draft is I'm going to let him pick some new players so he's going to pick some so we new have some players, kind of competition and we're going to obviously review this in the midweek episode next week so we'll go back to the combine draft but Connor's going to at least replace those guys so. absolutely um you got to do it tonight though I do we have to do it tonight tomorrow. the clock is on imagine I just sneak in the winners after that'd be a hell of a contest no 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 no, no. yeah I'm gonna lock the document that's, after that. that's a really good idea man but you know I, I agree with you completely about Nolan Smith though it was an awesome podium it and was he's he somebody just, who is like you said a smaller player but like he was even asked about run support right like oh like you were a smaller player run support and he's like 
It's like I love it. Yeah, like, I love running sport. He's like I play with my hair on fire, and it, it shows like that yes. on film. How about the story? And this was towards the end, and I want to make sure uh, I had it right. So Solomon Kinley, who is now in the NFL, but was at Georgia when when Smith got there, mm-hmm. he, he talked about their practices, especially run defense, was so intense that it molded them for games in a different way. Like one rep he had early on against Solomon Kinley, he said he Kinley, I think, broke his nose. And Nolan Smith cut a tampon and shoved it up his nose so the bleeding would stop and just went back to practice. That's innovative. I was like, oh, like, you're practicing like that. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. And, like, nobody really, like, followed up on it. or So it was kind of one of those you're things. probably I'm like, afraid just... at that point. Yeah, yeah. You're like, <laughs> talk about making your mark. <laughs> Before probably Excuse like, Excuse me? we got to get out of here, yeah. actually. <laughs> like, does he break his ankle and just put, like, duct tape around it? And probably. he's like, all right, back to practice. I bet he would. Back to practice. I bet he would. Very passionate dude. Uh, I wonder if he tried to play through the torn peck. Like, I wonder if he was like, no, nah, I'm good. Actually. Wouldn't shock me. And they're like, buddy. Protect you from yourself. You got you to gotta shut it down. Which is, uh, knock on wood, never had it, but apparently one of the more painful. Yes. Like, you, you just ever, can't. You ever seen, like, the weightlifters? Oh, yes. Like, the it's, it's, when they tear the peck? Some of them, and I'm not a squeamish person. Those are hard to watch. It, like, turns, like, black and blue. Yeah, it totally things. shreds. It just comes off the bone. Yeah, it's gross stuff. Yeah. So that's what he's dealing with. Whew. And, um... You know, listen, he's a fascinating guy because he's a four-year player. Mm-hmm. He was, I believe, the top recruit of his class. Number one, yep. Number one. Yep. And he just, he never, he did call Von Miller uh, rushing poetry in motion, which he was did. cool. He did. He never really figured it out as a rusher, people thought the way he would. But he checks every box, not only as a run defender, but from an intangible standpoint, that if he's even a solid pass rusher at the next level, he's worth a top 50 pick. Yeah, easily. just because, and yeah, I agree. Everything also, that comes with it. On top of the Von Miller stuff, somebody said like, oh yeah, you're like, I, I love Von Miller. But then he was like, somebody's like, oh, what do you love about Von Miller? And everybody will be like, oh, you know, the hands, the bend, whatever. And he's like, what I love about Von Miller, he's like, I just want to work out with him. He's like, every six yes. or, he's like, every sixth or seventh rep, I learned that Von Miller does goes and runs a gasser by himself. Yep. He's like, that's what I love the most about Von Miller. And I'm like, you are a... Work. Like some dudes get up there and they kind of like BS it. They're like, oh yeah, I, you know, obsessed. Team's gonna be, yeah. you know, team's gonna learn that I'm like a hard worker and then I'm gonna like, give it all. And like, Nolan Smith would literally strap the pads on and go play right now. He I think he would prefer he would. the combine to just be full pads. Hundred percent. That kind he, of guy. He might. He might run the forty in full pads. It would not shock. He me. might do the vert in full pads. It, very, uh, like you said, the most passionate presser yeah. of the day. Yeah, no doubt far. about it. Um, any linebackers? Anybody standing out to you from the linebacker position? Yeah, got to quickly chat with Dorian Williams. That was really cool because he, you know, the way for those that have never been in the combine, it's set up, you have podiums, and the podiums are elevated, obviously, and yeah. all of us little peasants are, are under it, so you could build a big scrum around the podiums. Right. And there's, I believe, eight podiums. Yes, there's eight, there's eight there's eight elevated podiums, and then, I, was it, three or four tables? So there's the three side? to four tables on the side, and they are not elevated. It's it's this eye-to-eye level. It looks exactly how you're viewing us right now. Yeah, yeah. And the way, this is just how life goes, the lesser uh, hyped players get put at tables, mm-hmm. and they're more off to the side this year than I can ever remember. There might yeah. be one to three people around them so I'm walking through linebackers are on you know I got to hear Drew Sanders talk for a little bit a couple different players but I see Dorian Williams at a table and you know one person is really coming up at a time and I'm like this dude was awesome he's good this year he could fly I remember you loved him like he could fly sideline to sideline he had great production and coverage I know PFF had a high coverage grade on him 85.1 
So just kind of chatting about him and coverage, and a dude that just he loved that. He he understands because I was like, listen, there's sub package roles at the next level where you got to be able to cover running backs and tight ends. Mm-hmm. And he's just so excited with that. His preparation, his speed. Uh, he went into. He's like, my favorite thing to do is to take the top off a wheel route. I'm like, that's one of the hardest assignments for an off-ball linebacker in all of athletic. football. Yeah. And I was like, you plan to run here? He's like, absolutely. I was like, looking forward to it. Yeah. And yeah, I walked yeah, away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a good. Yeah. That's a good last impression. Yeah. Because he probably was like. That guy knows. Yeah, yeah, that he knows, knows the deal. He knows I'm about to, you know, f it up out here. Yeah, so yeah. pretty cool. What about you? Did you get to walk around during linebackers? Uh, I, it was I, a little bit of a calamity at that point. Because it kind of was a little bit in the afternoon. So you know, you're, you're doing different stuff. Like yeah, I had a couple of shows that popped on, but I was I was walking around a little bit. I, Henry Toa was somebody who okay. I figured that he was going to be impressive at the podium, and I felt like he was. He talked about his background in rugby, how he actually was really into rugby before he was into football, and um, but the similarities obviously between them is is something that attracted to him to uh to getting into football and playing football a lot so um i like what i heard from him um jack campbell i didn't get to hear too much Neither of, i miss i miss him and simpson today simpson simpson was was good i was around simpson for a little bit i i asked him a little bit about versatility and because a lot of the, the first couple of questions were about that positional versatility but then i i asked him specifically is being so versatile something that you have always done or is it something that progressed? Is it like, oh, I was a linebacker first, like, and then they kind of like let me play slot or, and then they let me play edge. And he's like, honestly, it's like, I've just been playing everything since high school. Like, he's like, I played both sides of the ball Unfazed in high school. By it. And, yeah. You know, it, it's just a true all-around athlete. So I, I did also enjoy about Trenton Simpson's podium that, like, he seemed like he was enjoying it. That's his very smile smiles the whole time. You really do appreciate was, that. Yeah, like, of course. And you get why some guys don't. I mean, they barely get to sleep. They're meeting with a million teams. And they're told, like, interview. Like, this is a job interview. Like, you have to take it super seriously. Yes. And at the same time, you know, they'll have, you know, mentors or whoever tell them, like, try to enjoy it. You only go through this once. And I do love that some of these guys, not that it's on a scouting report for me or anything, but I just love it when guys can really smile throughout the process and enjoy it, even though it is a really hectic week for them. Yeah, I found uh, a couple of guys to be like that, and it was cool. Tully was one of those guys. Okay. And it was, it was just... You know, it's funny, I, I went to the beginning of his and the end of his, and both times all the questions were, like, inside, outside. Of and course. to be fair to him, he he gave everybody the same exact, like, full-length response. It yep. wasn't like I already answered that or started to get tired of it. And yep. a big thank you to everybody when he left. So you're right, it's really cool when you see guys enjoying this process because it's stressful as hell. It took weeks and weeks, months and months, their entire lives to get up to here. Yep. And, you know, if, if you can, it's possible, try to enjoy the media portion of it because I think the media portion is the least seriousness of the entire event. Yep. I, uh, I... We're all rodeo clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Besides so, us. Some of us are just 6'4", 250. I mean, some what? of the questions we've witnessed what we do at these podiums. Folks, obviously, we're getting Good excited God. about a lot, of these, the, a lot of these prospects, and a lot of them are going to be in the NFL soon. And when they get into the NFL, if you really like these guys, if you think they have a bright future, then if you get in with Mojo, you can invest in these guys. Mojo is the all-new sports stock market that lets you invest in your favorite athletes and cash in on your passion. Sign up right now in the Apple App Store to get your first stock for free worth up to tens of thousands of dollars if you get in early enough. Over 300 NFL players are already listed on Mojo right now. You can go long and make money when an underrated diamond in the rough breaks out or short sell an overrated rival from a rival team if that's how you want to make some money. Prices move with every play, every game, and every headline so you can buy and sell instantly anytime all year long so that action never stops mojo is live in new jersey right now so download the mojo app in the apple app store today 
start turning those playmakers into money makers. Must be 21 years or older to use Mojo and located in the great state of New Jersey to make trades. If you got a gambling problem, help is available at 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit Mojo.com for more info. This won't be the last time that we talk about the defensive linemen and the linebackers because for tomorrow's podcast, we're going to have a lot to talk about. DBs take to the podium, so we're going to get to hear a lot from the defensive backs tomorrow. A lot of great quotes from those guys. We talked about how the corner class we think is the premium class yeah. in this draft. So very excited to get to hear from a lot of those guys. Cam Smith, Christian Gonzalez, Devon Witherspoon, uh, Devontae Banks, Emmanuel Forbes. Like it's just the list. Joey Porter Jr., the list goes it's on and insane. on with so many guys. So tomorrow's going to be a lot of fun from the podium perspective, and it's also drills. So we're going to get to talk about the defensive linemen and the linebackers from drills as well. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. I mean, it's just such a deep group. We're excited to hear from them. Uh, can't make any guarantees we'll have the kicker podium breakdown. Well, Don't want to break any hearts. Maybe. Maybe we'll have one or two. We'll see. If what, would not- you, what would you ask a kicker at the podium? <clears throat> How much you can bench. That's, I think that's the move. Because it's all, every year, folks, without fail. That's the move. There is, a, there is one or two yoked. <laughs> Yeah, special teamer. Well, and, that think of it. I mean, when I was really, really young, uh, and I was around Chris Sims all the time, mm-hmm. and you know, you just when you're around a former NFL player, you just have so many questions. Uh-huh. And you'd always ask, "What do the special teams guys do yeah. all the time?" Because this is a lot of practice time, and they can't just kick for three hours. Right? Like, just, no, right, right. You can't. And he's like, he he would always joke. He's like, "Why do you think there's a handful in the league that are so jacked?" Yeah. He's like, "They have so much time." Yeah. To just be bodybuilders. It's just it's just the movie Pain and Gain, yes. but it's just special things. Yeah. And think about all the food and supplements you have access to in a right. facility. Perfect diet. Yeah. 100%. You could drink a gallon of creatine and eat five steaks a day. This, these special teamers, middle of practice, they're like Mark Wahlberg, like, I gotta get a pump yeah. in. And they yeah. just like got bicep curl, yeah. and they're just going after it on the sidelines. That, and that's that would move. be my question. Okay. How much can you I might actually make it to the kicker podiums tomorrow. Just for just I'll find for the one. <laughs> the one, and I'll be like, all right, come on. You look like you're big. Yeah. How much can you throw? All right, 225 numbers they're gonna and your They're going to smile, max. and they're going to give you they're the gonna best love answer that they're you're going to get all week. I might even tape it and post it. Okay, well, that might be a YouTube short that you guys see on yeah, the YouTube we'll channel. We'll roll it in. I won't even put it on Twitter. I want it to be a pod exclusive. Yeah, now we're figuring it out. Nice. 5,000 subscribers is on the way. Nice. Yeah. Appreciate everybody who's obviously subscribed to the channel already. We're over 4,000 subscribers, and we love every single one of you. Thank you so much for that. Um, let us know what you thought of this episode, everything that we talked about here. I mean, I'm sure there's some storylines that you guys have read on Twitter um, that you'd like to chime in on. Fire it off in the comments section on YouTube. Like, it's a, it's a great way to start so many conversations. We've seen that so many times for previous episodes. So, uh, this is always it's draft community podcast, right? Yeah. It's not us like talking to you guys, it's talking with you guys. So, we definitely want to hear from you guys and what you've heard uh, and what you believe, whether it's about the Jim Carter situation, whether it's about what some of the defensive linemen said, whether it's about the head coaches and the general managers, whether you're disappointed, whether you love what you heard from them, whatever it is, let's hear it in the comments section. For everybody who's listening on audio, uh, we love you guys too. We really do. We appreciate you listening. But if you want to get in on the action, that's probably the best way to do it. Or the you middle can, children. Or you could not. They well, just kind of get forgotten about. Yeah, and I, and I love them the same. Right. I don't want to do my that. child. I, don't I do still that. feed them, supply them with the needs. Right. But you do forget sometimes. No, we can't. If you're do not that. watching the YouTube, you're missing out. Well, I we, if, you, I mean. if you were an audio only listener, and I actually have run into a couple people here at the combine who are like, I'm audio only, but I created a YouTube account just to subscribe. That's to the amazing. Channel. And like, that's the true. Those are the true addicts right there. Yes. So we appreciate everybody who goes above and beyond to support the podcast like belief. that. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, at Tampa Bay Trey, at Connor J. Rogers, you can do the same thing on Instagram as well. We will be back with you, I think, tomorrow, unless the drills are really late and we think it might be more advantageous for us to do it later. Sure. As we often do, we plan the podcast on and the podcast. Within the hour. 
within the like literally i'll text trevor and i'm always wrong i'm never right on our schedule <laughs> even though we we talked about it the day before i'm like two to three right he's like three to four and i'm like okay <laughs> there will be another podcast for you guys at some time i'm trevor sycamore that's connor rogers thank you guys so much for listening to the nfl stock exchange podcast we'll see you next time